I, I still don't really have like a bad surprise. I like I, I I think the connotation of of bad and negative surprises are. I'm with Ben on this. Harris is, and, Harris is with me. Who? <laughs> Reality doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome everybody to the American Soccer Analysis Show. It's a new voice. Uh, it's not Ian. Uh, we're all sad. Ian Ian is, is taking some time away. He's going to be back at some point. I will force him to be back on the show. But I'm Kieran. I am joined by Harrison Highlife Crow. We are keeping the nicknames. And Benjamin... I haven't thought of a B, so Ben, I'm going to have to bring it back. And Ben and Bell. You put yourself on the spot. I did put myself <laughs> on the spot. Ben, ben is... Big baller. This, big baller. Ben, big baller. <laughs> ben is the, is the third tip of our Trident, our ASA podcast Trident this year. Um, ben, you're new to listeners. Why don't you give us like a, an elevator pitch intro? I put. I did not tell you to plan for this, but give us That's the cool. intro. Tell us about your time at ASA and and how you got here. So I uh, found ASA from Doyle's column. I guess probably like around 2014 or something. Um, I'm a Rapids fan, so get ready to have another fan of a terrible team on this podcast. Sorry, everyone. Uh, we can't all be Seattle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so I think, and then around like 2015, I reached out to Maddie, being like, "Hey, you have data? Can I see?" And then from there, I was I was involved for a few years, did Rapids previews for a few years, went on a dissertation hiatus, finished that. I do social data stuff for my day job. And uh, yeah, now I'm here. Been back doing the preview thing for a couple years, and I'm excited to be part of the podcast. And Ben has been a, a sneaky, smart guy in the background at ASA for a long time. For those of you who have been paying close attention his fingerprints are on a lot of the articles, even if his name isn't at the top of them. So we're, uh, I know Harrison and I are super excited to have him on. Harrison, what did you do? How was your off season? What did you get up to? Uh, I grew a beard. Um, it's, I, I will say, listeners, we are debating bringing this podcast to video. And if Harrison's beard is going to stay like this, it's going to happen. Because it is magnificent. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I mean, it's you know, it's it's not bad yourself. Yeah, you know, I have I have to kind of follow in your everybody else's footsteps. But yeah, like uh, that uh, that was the biggest thing I think I I did and changed about myself for the over the course uh, of this past. Uh, been busy with work, you know, as as one does, and uh, just trying to fill in with uh, some catching up with baseball and stuff. Some of the craziness that comes from uh, the off season, as you know, and uh, yeah. Just trying to fill the empty void of uh, soccerless. Although I get really the last couple of weeks, I guess we've had CCC. So um, if anybody's been able to catch up on that, what about yourself? What do you What do you been doing this off season? All right, uh, I haven't been doing too much. I've uh, been watching the wildfire transfer window for the Rapids and not too many other teams this off season. So been trying to not get too excited about that. But if you saw my preview, you know I'm a little higher on the team than the. Most of the MLS pundits were this week when they came out. But other than that, I'm excited to watch a season that hopefully doesn't have too many refing issues. So let's let's start there because I think um, the MLS is back. MLS is back. Not the tournament, but MLS is back. The previews are up for those of you who've been watching. By the time this goes out, the previews might be done. Um, we got through all of them. We didn't forget any teams this time. Uh, big success on the ASA front. Um, <laughs> let's let's start with your two teams. And now there's no Ian, so I don't get like doubled up by Seattle fans. So let's Ben. Let's start with Colorado. Give, give tell me about their their off season. I like I'm pretty excited about Mihailovic. That's a big one. I'm a big big fan of people who spell their name Georgie with D's and J's. Um, tell me about their off season and and what's going on with the Rapids. So I think the offseason is something I'm excited about because I really liked Robin as a coach. I respect him as a leader, but I don't like, I don't think his game model was a good fit for what the Rapids are trying to be on their type of budget. Um, and using the altitude, you know, he was always slow. He was always knocking the ball around and not really asking his players to be aggressive. And so I think that 
that's the most excited thing. That's the thing I'm most excited about. I think the roster fits that style now with the new additions. You've got um, the Omir Fernandez coming in from Red Bulls. You've got Mihailovic. Uh, hopefully with some more dynamic players around Navajo, he can show some stuff before his loan's up in the summer. So I think it's a it, it can't possibly be worse than last year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what, what we got, even if it's not ultimately in the playoffs. I, I think it's a really... Um... It's a really interesting, you touched on it there when you mentioned the altitude, like, because you're in Denver, like, you have such a unique opportunity to do some really interesting things. Like, it's not basketball where, like, you're only playing 25 minutes of a 48-minute game. Like, six of your players have to play 90 minutes. Okay, one of them's a goalkeeper. Five of your outfield players have to play 90 minutes. That's hard. You have a Mm -hmm. huge, huge, huge fitness advantage Mm -hmm. um, as the home team there. And I don't think we've seen Colorado like just rip the home standings, even though MLS has a crazy home advantage anyways. So it's very interesting to me that like you have a fairly cheap team. I probably shouldn't even bunny ears. Yeah, they, just are a cheap, they just are a cheap team. Yeah, uh, at least not in terms of the high end of the players. They, they, the middle's starting to fill out a bit more these, these years, but yeah, they're not going for big signings at all. Yeah, and you've got you've got a Red Bull coach in Chris Armis who like, okay, fairly mixed track record at this point, but we've seen in other countries and even in MLS, like if you want to be a low budget team, that's good. Like playing launch and squish and pressing is a real, it works. Like it actually does what it's supposed to. Harrison, what do you think? Like as a non Rapids fan, what are you kind of, where are you at? Cause I look at them and I'm like, this is all nice, but like, I still don't think you're going to be very good. Yeah, it's really hard to tell, like, where are they going to end? Because I think that the West is so incredibly uh, diverse, and that's my way of saying bad. Um, So it's just really hard to kind of place where Colorado is going to be. Either they're going to be on the back half of uh, of a playoff team or they're going to be out. And I think that there's going to be a lot. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be settled in the first four or five months. I think that's something that you're going to see in the second half of the season, right? Um, they have a huge amount of turnover on that roster. You know, that's, you know, uh, been hit the highlights that everybody's going to know and going to talk about, right? But that whole team turned over like a lot uh, and not just like the big names, but also that depth which I think is going to be really, uh, really important. You know, uh, one of the small per, uh, people that I kind of connected with just because I did wrote the RSL preview is uh, Jasper Loffelsund, uh, right? Um, who basically they got for pennies on the dollar. And on top of that, he really did a lot of uh, yeoman's work for RSL. I think that he's going to be... I think he has the potential to be a really great depth piece and maybe great is overstating it. Cause I love, you know, middling above slightly above average midfielders, like for all that kind of sicko here. <laughs> so, but I, he's, he's somebody that I'm watching along with Omer Fernandez. Like both of those guys uh, really are very intriguing. I, I liked the Miguel Navarro trade uh, from Chicago. You know, th- these types of moves, they just have me. Uh, these are the things that really excite me. Um, I'm kind of curious, Ben, what is your perspective of Sam Vines coming back? Because everybody's kind of seems very, very hyped. And I've never, I've never got on that train. I think this is a tough one because you're now asking Ben from like two to three years ago when he was thinking about a player he watched then during a time that was a lot, a lot happier uh, for me as a fan. Um, I always thought he was great. Like I thought he brings some defensive stability. Like there's this one game. I'm going to have to go back and watch it someday. It was at home against LAFC where Carlos Vela was on the right wing and like, his, I think it was 2019 or 2020. I forget exactly which, but like one of his big seasons and like vines shut him down and he he'll get into the attack in sneaky ways i i he gets aggressive but his his stats also don't pop which is what one of the things i'm going to be looking forward to mention in the preview like what is it about his play that i think is good that may not be picked up in things like goals added um or even goals subtracted like or just trying trying to get into that a little bit more like is was it because of i have a couple of theories in terms of like with the way the positions line up because they used to play three in the back when Vines was playing a lot. Um, that actually might not even be true. I forget, but I, th- I, th- I think it's, it's going to be interesting to watch because the stats don't necessarily rate him 
Ever, no one else necessarily rates him, but Rapids fans do, and I definitely do. And he helped, what, Antwerp win a championship and then immediately got left off of their champion, uh, Champions League roster. So he's he's just like, an, he needs an a new, administrative error. Yeah, like, he just needs a new scene. Like, he just got completely disrespected by that club. So I'm just glad that he can come home after that. So I, th- I think that opens up a really interesting transition to talk about Seattle, Harrison, because a player that so Ben you said at the end there, it's it, Sam Bynes is an interesting player because things like G plus don't love him. The counting stats aren't terrible, but you kind of look at these these possession value metrics and they don't see it with him. But when you watch him, he seems like an impactful player. And another player who I think is in a similar ilk that fans are really really excited about, and even analysts who opinions I really respect are very excited about is Pedro de la Vega, who is coming from Lanús to Seattle and is like, the, he's the guy. And whether it's fair on, on a young player or not, like there's a lot of pressure on him in that Ladero is going and he is functionally replacing him in the squad, even though he's a very different player. And I don't like him. I watch and I don't see it. And I look at the stats and I don't see it. But other people do see it. And some of the stats are interesting. And you talked about him at length in your preview that went out Today, we are recording it. It'll be a few days um, by the time this goes out. So t- talk to me about him and, and how you how you battled that. Because I'm sure when you looked at it, you saw the same thing. We're like, okay, this guy's like kind of whatever. Yeah, like, look, I, I think you and I have talked about it about when he got signed. And then um, I've talked about it with a few other people that I'm sure like have, we have some crossover in terms of who we've talked to. There, there just wasn't a lot of excitement, right? Um, and it's funny because I feel like in the Seattle pool and the F- Seattle community, he's just another weapon. He's just another in the arsenal, uh, another bullet for Brian Schmetzer. I think nationally, though, the the tone is really different on him because overall, everybody is expecting him to be more Ladero esque, and, and even in my heart, like I want to see some sort of. Um, I, I want to see that level, right? That's what we're basically investing in him. This isn't uh, Leo Chu to where he's a U22 initiative guy, and we're hoping that, you know, he comes along and develops and grows. And if he doesn't, he's an above average winger. And, you know, he's going to be infuriating at times, and he's going to be great at other times, and it's going to be bad at other times, right? There's these whole mixers. No, we have these really high, it has to be a very high floor from the get, get-go with him. And one of the things he does really well uh, from a statistical perspective perspective is he plays both parts of the ball right he gets up he counter presses and he also gets back on defense and you know i've seen it in some of his highlights that's a thing that i think that you'll really want to see especially from uh from a brian schmetzer team is is figuring out when to when to counter press because seattle isn't a a constant counter press team but they do pick their moments within aspects of the of the game they're going to say hey for the next five minutes uh if we turn the ball over we're going to counter press um, and, and it's these windows, these pockets that they choose. And so you're going to have to really get forward. And the other side is they like to do these overloads. And so that means that he's going to have moments where he's going to have high utilization and have those expect expectations to play the ball. Well, one of the things that I really didn't mention, and I didn't want to like dump on him, but he had a lot of turnovers, a lot of turnovers. Um, yeah, he won some take ons and stuff. Um, and he had high take on percentage relative to the rest of, uh, uh, rest of people that are are drib- trying to dribble past, you know, those that threshold that's in the 100, 120, um, you're going to have a lot of those that just fail, right? That just happens as a as as a total of this is how many times you attempt. It's why stealing doesn't happen in baseball because at a certain percentage, throwing you know that many outs away is just it just doesn't make sense. He lost the ball more than the typical. Uh, typical players, especially in the final third. He had a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors in the final third. And that's something that really, once you get to MLS and once you're starting every day, like you can't be turning that ball over constantly to those fullbacks. You can't be losing the ball in easy ways. You have to create opportunities and you have to really mix it up. So it'll be really interesting to see where he ends up and how he develops and how he grows into that role. Well, so Harrison, I've got to follow up for that because when I think about the Rapids right now, you know, I think about who, you know, Arba apparently likes to do a 4-2-3-1. You've got a 10 that isn't really a 10 in Cole Bassett or Omir Fernandez or even Mihailovic, you know, whoever wants to slot in there. They're not traditional 10s in terms of like take the pass, look for the space, um, which is sort of what Lerdero did in a lot of ways. Do you see 
Seattle's game model shifting, you know, in, into this new era now that Ladero is gone, now that Rui Diaz is sort of a different type of player. Is, is that something that we might see into this new year? Hashtag positions are a lie. Um, yeah, right. So like, I'm a I'm a true believer in that. And I think that one of the things that uh, Brian Schmetzer does really well is he he puts players in the areas of the pitch that they do really well. Right. Um, I don't think Rui Diaz is going to be a starter, but I don't think that Morris can hold down. He like he's not a striker. I've ne- he, I don't think I've ever believed that he's a striker. I, I, I think you're going to see that kind of that position rotate. And so I, I think that's where having uh, some of the different depth pieces also come in. I don't know how much they can really rely on Rui Diaz uh, up top. And as such, I think you are going to see some some reshuffling of the board. Uh, Jao Paulo, right? He's not an average 10, um, but he's not a typical 8 or 6, right? He's going to have that huge um, that huge swath of where he interchanges, especially, especially with Albert Rusniak, where Rusniak's going to come back on the ball and they're going to switch up and then also roll on. Well, Don's not a winger. Right. Like he's going to come, he's pl- going to play on the wing, but he's not going to stay out there. He's going to have some switching and stuff and movement. So I think you're going to see this very uh, fluid network um, over the first few weeks. I don't think that there's going to be anything that you're going to really pick out that's going to define uh, positions per se. I think you're just going to see certain areas of the pitch that are more higher util- utilized with very specific players. Does that answer the question? I, I think it's a it's a really interesting topic Definitely. because Seattle, Seattle are an unusual team, um, and I think that the last thing I want to say about De La Vega that has been really interesting to think about through all the previews and I've been editing them this year, so it's kind of fun to read through and see where people's thoughts are at. And and sometimes I read stuff and I'm like, I don't agree with this, and and it's like hard to go through that process and be like, this is your thing. And one thing that's been really on my mind reading all of them is like league translation, right? and role translation going from one club to another. So like we think about De La Vega, right? He has really high tackles, but a lot of his tackles are in his third. And so I look at that and it's like, okay, is it because he tracks back or is it because Lanus are defending on time? And so you have this really weird thing to think about where Lanus this season are in fourth. They're like 10 points off first. Last season, they came second bottom. So it's like, oh, this is a really weird stat profile to think about. And you can do this over and over. I was having a conversation with somebody about Red Bull stuff today, and we were talking about Dante Vanzier, um, and obviously, like, terrible dude, but we were talking about, like, he was pretty good in Belgium. Like, how is that going to work? And one of the things that this person mentioned was, like, if you go back and look at his Belgian league games, he is always playing with another nine. And he came to Red Bulls and basically never played with another nine. Yeah. He's like almost always solo. And so, and if he's not solo, he's like with Luquinhas or Morgan or Omir Fernandez who are not strikers, right? They're not that guy. So it's very interesting to think about. And I think um, heading into this season, like that's a real, there's a lot of teams bringing in players that it's a very, very big transition. Um, what, what about with, with Emil Forsberg going into that position? Like, do, do you think that that's the the guy, as you put it, to, to slot next to Vanzier? Not to derail you, sorry. No, no, no. I, I don't know. I think Forsberg is interesting. JJ Post wrote our, our Red Bulls preview, and he talked about how he's going to be very exciting because he is still an extremely productive Bundesliga player at his age. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as MLS has come, like, if you're in a productive Bundesliga player, you're going to be a productive MLS player. Um, I think he is going to add a lot to them. I think the interesting thing about Forsberg is that he maybe has this reputation as like a final third passer guy, but he's never really been that. He's been a final third shooter. Um, And I think that's a really interesting thing to add to their team where he's going to get into the box and he's going to get shots. Like he's going to be the Teoto football meme. Why do we like him? He gets into the box. Like that's, that's what he's going to be. Um, I think they might be sneaky good as a team this year. Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about them, but I think they might be. They were like really good on the underlines last year. I think Troy Lassane was like maybe a little bit unlucky to lose his job. Um, and I would not be surprised if they were very good this year. I agree. I I was a little surprised that they didn't go with Lassane. I thought Colorado could have hired him. I think Armas was also fine to hire, but I was, I was surprised by that. I think he's going to be like, not to talk about DC, who are probably going to be bad, but I think they might yeah. be like more interesting than expected. Definitely. Um, 
So we're not going to talk about every team. If you want to go read, your team's preview is there. They're really, really good. The the writers, everybody put a lot of time into them. So I would seriously recommend to go reading them. There's some some excellent, excellent previews in there. Don't read the Toronto one. They're terrible. There's nothing to talk about there. Um, so what we're going to do is we're not going to talk about every team. I tasked these two fine gentlemen with some homework to come up with one good surprise and one bad surprise. So one thing they think is going to surprise us in the positive direction, one in the negative direction. I was replied to with a retort about the the morality of good and bad in MLS and how those are not real. But I hope they played long enough to give me an answer. So um, we're going to start with the bad. I think that's that's probably the better place to start. And I'm going to start with my one because I already told you my one and I think we can talk about it fairly quickly. Um, my bad surprise for MLS this year is that I think scoring is going to be down. And I have a few reasons for that. The first is that if you look at uh, all of the seasons of MLS, 2022 was actually a fairly down year as well. And the playoffs, as good as they were, were, were also quite down. They're kind of middle of the pack after 2022 and 2021 were really good. Um, and I think a lot of that is that the roster rules are like not in line with the demands of the competition now. And we hit summer and scoring just goes off a cliff. So that's reason one. Reason two is that I think it's a very weak striker class in, in MLS right now, which is going to come up later when we talk about a secret thing later that we haven't disclosed. Um, but I think the striker class is fairly weak in MLS right now. You've lost a lot of your, your top guys, like Tati has gone. Um, uh, uh, Brandon Vasquez has gone. Like a lot of your goals have got, have gone out of the league. And I don't think. The names coming in have been amazing, even though Messi and Luis Suarez are here. So maybe amazing names, but we'll see. Um, and the third is that we're starting to see so much success from teams who play like 4-4-2 mid-block counter. Like, we're not going to try and score goals. We're going to be solid defensively and counter you. I think we're going to see more and more teams just be like, yeah, like, great possession. We want to play. We want to play positive aggressive soccer it's like no we want to win games and i think you're going to see more teams who are like we're going to forward to mid block it whatever happens happens so that's my bad surprise scoring is going to be down what say ye? i think that makes sense i think i think i'm not going to press you on that one um i should i go to the next surprise or I, I think yeah, Harrison, unless unless you have thoughts about scoring being down, I, I think we I can know. move on. I don't. I I think that's I agree. Really, I, I just I completely yeah. agree, especially the game model stuff. That's that's the big trend I've been watching. Is I, yeah, it's about it's about being solid. It's about working together. It's about pouncing on errors from the other team more than creativity or stringing together beautiful soccer these days. Is so it, I think you'll get fun? some goals, but isn't it fun? By the way, that like people are aware of the phrase game model now. And like fans openly talk about like, hey, great, you're the coach, but like what it what do you want to do as a whole? Like fans know about this now. Like you'll like I'll talk to like parents and they're like, Yeah, what's your game model? And I'm like, Your kid's like fourteen. Why do you know what a game model is? And the, the like Lindsay Horan, I don't know, maybe the literacy's getting better. All right, Ben, you go, what's what's your what's your negative so your morally maybe not negative surprise? Well, to be fair, you're in Canada right now, so you'll be able to tell us about the difference in the local soccer parents. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, uh, my bad surprise, which I think is probably a disappointment to most fans, although I'm not so sure, is that the transfer pipeline to Europe is probably going to be cooling down the next season, maybe to two seasons. Um, we've are, we're already seeing teams in the Premier League and other leagues not buy as much. Um, I, I think we're seeing the negative consequences to that to you know lots of teams certainly administratively i think the culture is changing and i think we've just seen some not great outcomes from outgoing transfers like even not even specifically to europe like i know edward atuesta got hurt when he was at palmeras but that's another big profile you know big profile mls player returning because their you know their transfer didn't go well and that that's pretty much the story of uh fc uh distressed assets aka prove yourself fc whatever their assets are this year um, with Mihailovic, with Zach Stefan, like it's not. I think I think players are realizing that their value might actually be worth more here. We're seeing that with Miles Robinson. We're seeing that you know a, a, across the board. So you know, I 
I think there's multiple market pressures happening, and I I don't think we'll see as many transfers for American or North American players. I don't see we'll see. I don't think we'll see as many big price tags for those transfer fees. Um, I think Almada's going to go for big money because that's just the Almarone effect at this point because he's ready. Um, but ap- apart from that, like I th- so, I think it's we're in a different phase leading into the World Cup in terms of our role in the international market. So the the Almada one is really interesting, right? Because if you asked a year ago, everybody would have said Almada is going to move for fifty million, right? That was the number at the beginning of the season. It's like fifty million, fifty million, fifty million when he's scoring all those free kicks. And then you read the reporting between the lines, and it's like Atlanta are asking for thirty in a sell-on, and it's like they're not getting it. They're not getting close to it. So I think when you talk about this pathway, I think there's, I think you're a hundred percent right. And I think there's two things. I think one is the the players that have left MLS have largely not done very well. Like Almiron is very much the exception, and it took him like three years to do Yeah, it took him a while. Um, and same with like Jack Harrison. Jack Harrison leaves, but it took him some time to be very good. And that's true, because most of the players who are leaving are young. It makes sense. Um and some of them are leaving to unusual situations that maybe they shouldn't. It's a bad choice for them or whatever. The other thing to think about is that MLS, it can, in comparison to the global market, offers very, very high wages. Very high wages. So when you look at Miles Robinson, Miles Robinson makes $1.5 million, right? That's max tan, 1.625 or whatever it is. How many European teams are realistically going to play pay a player like Miles Robinson more than 1.625 million. You're basically limited to like a really good Belgian team, like a Champions League level Belgian team, the top Dutch teams, and then like upper half of the championship and better in England. And that's kind of it. And then when you think about like where Miles Robinson is as a player, he's like, he's not 21 anymore. He's like at He's like starting to hit peak age. Like I think he's Miles Robinson's like twenty four or something, twenty five. So it's a it's a interesting dichotomy where you have these MLS players get paid. It's the Jordan Morris thing, right? Like Jordan Morris was like, would I rather make three hundred thousand dollars and live in Seattle or go play like regional Liga for Bremen too? Like I'm gonna pick Seattle, and. I think now you're starting to see like those players are not making three hundred thousand dollars in MLS anymore. They're making one and a half million dollars. Yeah, Jordan Morris is. I always thought Jordan Morris was ahead of the curve on that. I thought he made the right choice. So it's it's a very interesting dilemma, and I think for MLS, they have a really difficult choice to make. And it's not not that MLS is a monolith; teams can do what they want. But I think there's a really interesting set of choices coming up where like. Hey, you have Messi playing in your league. Like, how bad do you want to sell Jesus Ferreira? Like, is $10 million for the Hunt family better than having your best player? And I think for a lot of teams, the answer is starting to be no. Um, as much as they would like to send him to Zenit St. Petersburg or whatever Russian team mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And I, I think even, you know, come back to Rapid, you know, Cole left and came back. Didn't go great. Sam left. I thought it went well, but then he just got disrespected. I guess there was no market for him. And so he comes to where his value is again, which is in the domestic market. So I, I, and I think about what might have happened. Would Robin still be the coach if you don't lose those two players? Plus Austin Shrestey, who is an example of it going well in the championship, although not so great at Sheffield at the moment. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, there's, there's, Secure, you know, and I, 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 we made, we did great in the World Cup when we had domestic MLS players playing well here. So, you know, I just, uh, I just try and avoid the, the hype of going to Europe. If it makes sense for the team, if it makes sense for the player, if it makes sense for the development, absolutely. But you're not necessarily going to benefit a player's development by challenging in the Dutch league and not getting your playing time. Yeah, but okay. So here's the here's I, I agree with like ninety percent of what you all said. Here's the here's the other side of the coin, right? Is you have a team like Atlanta who basically ran into the situation where they couldn't sell their young players, and in terms they basically st- just stopped their pipeline. All of a sudden, they can't continue to turn over talent like what they did, and they're all of a sudden they get stuck with a roster full of you know uh, pieces that just don't go together, that just don't fit. 
because you're constantly thinking, oh, well, you know, I can flip this if it works out. Oh, I can constantly flip this if this works out. And I think that you have to change. You have to start growing and start stop saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we're just going to reload at the end of this. I mean, paying these guys that much, I mean, you're you're assuming that you're going to be able to offload them. And when you can't, it's going to get to a really uncomfortable spot to where you can't keep them, but they can't stay with you anymore. So you're going to have to either trade them internally to MLS, which I mean, as like total football, like always says, like trading, you know, for GAM and allocation, you know, no one wants it should be trading you allocation. Like that's just, that's dumb on their part. You should be absolutely take all the allocation you can get from another team. Um, and you shouldn't be giving any up, but, um, yeah, I just I, I think that you're going to run into those situations. And I think that you really have to be careful with how you're building your roster, if that's going to be the case. I, I think I think that's true. And I think I think the interesting thing to like kind of get caught up on and, and we we don't have the time to talk about it today or here, but like. There's two real classes of sales in MLS, right? Like there is. Brendan Aronson Tati Castellanos, like the players that you are selling for $10 million and you're getting a sell on and you're getting a big chunk of it. And it's like, we're selling this player because it costs us much less to get them. And we're making a bunch of money on this. And then there's like Cole Bassett and like uh, Reggie Cannon and like those players that you're moving for like a million dollars. And it's like, how much value is there in that move? And I think it's very, it's, it's something that we should probably talk about at some point in greater detail, but we definitely do not have the time to talk about it here. So Harrison, drop me your bad surprise, your yeah, morally so, ambiguous bad surprise. Yeah, <laughs> morally ambiguous bad surprise. So it, it's simply, we're going to have more injuries this year. Um, the, the schedule congestion that happened last year is, and all the, basically the conflated, um, talent that just kind of all went downhill after August. Uh, if you look at, uh, teams just overall, everything dipped in terms of just, uh, everything term just went abysmal. Uh, it, it really was not good in any sort of way, shape or form. Um, much of much of the teams just basically took a whole dip for about two months until they basically recovered from it. And it's because there's just no uh, minute disparity, I guess. Uh, I, I think when I talked about it within Slack, like Elliot had a really nice way of, uh, of, of phrasing it, but uh, essentially we're, they're just not use utilizing their depth until they absolutely have to in MLS. And I think that's causing a lot of injuries right around July and August and into September. And so as a result of that, I think you're going to see a lot more uh, unless they start showing a uh, proper ability to rotate and utilize how many subs they get in a game. I mean, holy crap. The fact that they're, that we're seeing a real lack of that and substitutions in this game. I mean, yeah, I see, you see some teams take advantage of it and you're starting to see it more and more, but there's still not, uh, it's not still around the league. And so as a result, I think you're going to see more injuries this year. So that's my, that's my bad hot take. How much, how much do you guys think that the minutes disparity that, that teams are really only using their first 13, 14 guys? How much do you think that's on coaches for being stubborn? Because that's something we do see in the data, right? That mm -hmm. most coaches aren't using all of their subs. And if you're, first off, if your coach is not using all five of their subs, they're a dinosaur. If they're not using them early enough, they're a dinosaur. This is, we know this from the data. It's objectively true. It's called X Dog. It's called X Dog, right? It's the human spirit. You can't uh, measure the human, human spirit. spirit. <laughs> um, so how much of that do you think is on the coaches? And how much of that do you think is on, I don't want to say rosters, right? Or, or on, on like GMs, because I think that's like the wrong, you you can say it's on the GMs, kind of. J uh, Jared talks about this in his Philadelphia preview, which is going to go out tomorrow for you guys for, but it will be out by the time this, this podcast is out. And he talks about how their their bench, the average age on the bench is like 21. And there is only one player older than 25. And that's uh, Damian Lowe, the center back. Or not Damien Love, one of the center backs. And uh, it's a super young bench. And like they are organizationally set up that Jim Curtin will use young players because he knows he's not going to get killed for it. 
But most teams aren't like that. Like a lot of coaches aren't going to use their supplemental roster 19-year-old next pro graduate because if they lose, they're going to get fired. And so how much of that do you think is on the coaches and how much of that do you think is on, I will nebulously call it the GMs and the roster rules for not allowing you to have sufficient depth? And where's your head at for this? I think it's hard to look past the extreme of Gary Smith on this one. And Elliot sort of detailed that in, in, oh my God. in his tweets and articles. F- like that's, that's obscene. His, his track record of starting younger players has been really bad for Nashville. Um, that's inexcusable. Um, but I think, I think, I think you're right here. Like I think about the Philadelphias and the, the teams that are like trying to lean into the youth and it, it has to be organizational. Like you have to have sort of the meeting of the minds between the coach and the, the chief soccer officers at that point, because that there has to be a project. I think we're seeing that with the, with the Rapids because I'm, I'm not that old as Harrison tried to remind me in the Slack earlier. And I'm, thir- I'm 31 and I'm now older than every single player on the Rapids roster. So that's another <laughs> really young roster. They're, des- you know they're what, designed though? to be rotated. So, no, and you, and you, you talk about like it has to be an organizational decision. Look at the crew who just won MLS yes, Cup. Yes, yes, exactly. Three, exactly. Huge, three huge squad contributors are Patrick Schulte, who was a goalkeeper of the year in MLS X Pro as the Captain Bears win the Cup. Mo Farsi destroyed Next Pro in G Plus and is immediate and starts the final over Julian Gressel and is amazing. Um, and then Jason Russell Rowe, huge contributor. Like, and then Sean Zawadzki off the bat. Like, they're getting huge value out of like having a thoughtful plan of like our next pro team is going to be good. And then the best players are going to graduate and the next pro team is still going to be good. The Cuffy Bears were, uh, I think they made the semifinal this year. They lost the final to Austin or something like that. And now their coach is Montreal's coach. And they probably have another assistant planned because you have in Bez, Isatol, and Corey Ray, like an amazing front office that are actually thinking about these things it's very it's very very interesting to think about that um because in terms of an advantage like if you are a club who are planning for this where you're like hey it's august we have leagues cup we have mls we had a concaf champions cup not champions league run earlier and we've already played 43 games like hey i can't play this player three times this week i need to get 90 minutes out of my supplemental roster and you've actually planned for it you can but these teams don't plan for it and then they have junk there they've got cj sapong or whatever and it's like what are you going to do so i think yeah. it's a it's a really interesting plan shout out to the the curtain principle article that uh i think mike and elliot did you in can, terms of like you can what rotate the, yeah how many players. players can you rotate it's like three or four, four players like there's, there's the limit that they think they found out so there's there's a model to it if teams can can try and figure it. and philly's been consistently great for several years now using this model that, that is a perfect segue to positive surprises because my positive surprise is that i think we are going to see team investment in analytics take off in a huge, huge way. Cause we're already starting to see it. Um, Inter Miami, Sam Gregory left, uh, Inter Miami today to go work for USSF. So there's an opening that will come up. Um, but we have seen the teams that are winning are, and hey, his analytics identified Messi. Like it's a big deal. Uh, but the, the teams that are winning are teams that are investing in this. Columbus have an analytics person and care about this. Uh, Philadelphia care about this to the point that their coach is saying, our analysts did a study. This is how many players I can rotate without seeing a decrease in performance. We then verified that study with publicly available data as like, hey, that's totally legit. That is exactly what they said. Like, that is awesome. That's exactly what your club is supposed to be. And they are destroying the league every year. LAFC, like we knew that that Will Koontz was like very data friendly and that they had people doing stuff. Scott Barola is in is in the ASA Discord who used to work, who works for LAFC. And is doing that that work. Like we know he's a smart guy. We know that the clubs who are doing this are winning. Vancouver are good now. All those players are Nikos Overhul players, who was an analytics guy. These are this is how the sport works in MLS now. It's like you have to be good at the data and you're gonna fleece teams like Sporting Kansas City who are not. Um 
and so I think that, and if we look, uh, uh, Caleb and, um, remind me, Nashville man are at DCU now. Ali yeah, Mackay are, are, um, are the, the GM and assistant GM at mm-hmm. DC now as analytics friendly people. Um, Caleb from, from Orlando after Nashville previously. So that's, we're starting to see it grow and grow and grow. And I think this year is going to be a huge year where San Jose is. I want to give San Jose a shout out as well. San Jose as, as Lucy Rushton had, had a few other people who, who joined since then. It, there's a lot of orgs now. Uh, the LA Galaxy stole Wilkins from, from LAFC and immediately hired a person. Vancouver had a posting last week. All the teams have postings now. Um, Houston has source football. Atlanta have source football. Like this is a real. When, when the analytics power rankings are going to come out eventually, and like we look at the tier list, and like okay, there's still four tiers, but like the level of all of the tiers, except for maybe the bottom teams, is way higher than it was five years ago. And I think this is really, really going to take off. Uh, Harrison, hit me with your positive surprise. So I think the Eastern Conference is undeniably going to be great this this offseason or this uh this coming season and I think it's going to be completely packed and I think the the fun thing about this is that it's just going to be uh, both a delight and also a train wreck and I think that it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because on one side you see the Western Conference is just going to kind of beat up on each other and I think that the couple teams are in, going to end up just jockeying for first and they may you know, compete for MLS Cup or for uh, Supporter Shield just purely out of the fact that they're going to just absolutely slam on all the other Western Conference teams. Seattle is kind of one that I kind of have in mind for that. But I mean, I think there's a couple other front, front runners that could possibly do that as well. The Eastern Conference is, it, man, like Cincinnati still remains good. Philadelphia, as we talked about, uh, New York Red Bulls is underrated right now nycfc has been quietly loading up on talent huge and huge amount of talent like holy crap i'm gonna shout out paul harvey for a second and kevin nelson's and and kevin nelson's preview of of nycfc was awesome but that's a team that like i think they were fifth the next points last year while basically tanking like just playing young players and be like ah whatever the season's gone and then they're at, they added talent. Like this Jovan Mihatovic kid is legit. Like he's very, very real. His Serbian league data is nuts for an 18 year old. Uh, it's going to be, they're going to be fun. They're going to be fun. Are you going to, are you going to put the hot take? Is the East going to win MLS Cup? Oh, I, 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 I mean, it's not just like one team from the East. It's like this whole from one to seven. I would almost say that you could almost you could name seven teams and say any one of those seven teams could legitimately like really come at you from the Eastern oh, Conference yeah. to win MLS Cup. And I think that's more of what the hot take is, is right now you have a stacked Eastern Conference that's going to come at you. And it'll be really interesting to see what the odds are at the end of the season for who's going to win MLS Cup because I think it's going to be interesting when you compare them to what it was last year and then the year before where we kind of get closer and closer to a more you know a, a very evenly keeled team uh, you know conferences and further and further we get these the Eastern Conference is just doing so much right and granted the Western Conference has a lot of it, it feels like they're catching up and they're doing the catching up in the right sort of way building up from the ground up but as a result they have all this loose ends and they have so many different question marks i don't feel the same way about the eastern conference i mean i haven't even mentioned orlando yet which orlando should absolutely i mean atlanta i mean when 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 you go through when you go through and you're like okay only nine teams can make playoffs right and you go through and you look only you have cincinnati columbus (laughs) philadelphia red bull NYCFC, Orlando, and I'm already at eight. Yeah, it's kind and of I wild. And I, and I haven't said Inter Miami, <laughs> right? Or I haven't said I haven't said Atlanta. I haven't said Toronto, Chicago, who have improved. I haven't, well, I haven't said I haven't said any of these teams. Who, I haven't talked about Chicago, who spent a ton of money. Ton of money. I haven't talked about all these teams. I, I don't know who M is. Montreal. 
No, get out of here. They're, it's their building. They're still not, building. We're not talking about Montreal. They have a quietly do not sleep <laughs> We're not on talking about Montreal. No, we're not talking about Look, look, their front office is always a mess. Canadian says we're not talking about <laughs> Right. No, no, it's it's not the Canadian. Let's, let, there's a line there. Let's. There is a little bias there. But regardless, we'll set that aside for a second. Montreal is a scary team in their front half. And yes, they have a crazy coach in their front office is a, is a mess Harrison. i can't wait for them to make it the playoffs and just absolutely screw with some people so, so, so you know what so you know what montreal were sneaky close they missed the playoffs by a point last year even though they were terrible and they were had the psychopaths as a coach if Laurent Cortado does a good job they may sneak playoffs what i will say to you is this is that in my two seconds on montreal is that dominic yankov will either be really good or really bad He's been really good in preseason. We'll see if that pops. But they just like have no, uh, like it, they kind of have no midfield. Like they have Piet and nobody else. And goalkeeping is still an issue. Producer, it's nothing. I mean, he's ancient and they don't have a good goalkeeper. And their nines are like, they have four guys who Joseph are all, Martinez, brah. Who hasn't been good in three years. Mm. But they've, they've got four strikers who are all like 0.33 XG guys. And they just hope one of them is going to be good. So I, I don't think it's going to click for them, but maybe it does. Uh, ben, give me your surprise. Your good so, surprise. My good surprise is kind of a twist on your bad surprise, which is this is oh. going to be an interesting year to look at defensive stats and defensive structure within MLS because they're not going to get shredded so often by the top talent that has been being sold so often because the game models are changing. Um, I, I have always, it's my hobby horse on the Slack that we just don't understand defense enough well enough from an analytics quantitative perspective yet. And part can, of it's can data. I, can I drop a cool defense thing? Go for it. Um, Mike and Berg, you and I were working on something before I got caught up in my defense. And it's going to come out in the new year after I move. Um, and we were looking at pressing. And I'm just going to say it now because it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, but we were talking about pressing. And the thing that I wanted to look at was... Um, the mantra or like the, the like understood knowledge is that you have two choices when you're pressing. You can press people inside and try and win the ball centrally, or you can press them outside and try and win it wide. And the trade-off is if you put it inside, you get better turnovers, but if they break, they get better transitions. If you press wide, you get worse turnovers, but you get more of them because they have the pitch as the sideline of the defender. And if they break, it's not as bad. And it's like one of those like coaching truisms. And I'd never seen any data like verifying if this is real. And so we dug into it by G plus and looked at the G plus of the turnovers and then the frequency of the turnovers. And it is totally real. So I think you are right that with um, less of fun attacking stuff to talk about, there will be fun defending things to look into. So watch out for more defending research at ASA. Even G minus, G minus is pretty new at ASA. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping to dig more into G minus as, as as the year goes on too. That's that's one of my key targets as we get into. I cannot wait wait to read that. Holy cow! Uh, honestly, the G minus, yeah, the G minus stuff in and of itself, I think, will be very popular this year. I mm-hmm. I think, yeah, you'll you'll see a couple different articles. I think over the course of the year for G minus stuff. Mm-hmm. If, if you're looking for G minus from last season, it's in the the article Mike Bargia put out. Um, where he kind of looked at combining all the different G plus flavors that we've got into one yep. net G plus rating. Um, and he put yep. the, the, he put the shiny app in the bottom so you can search and find whatever you want. So check that out. Um, any other surprises? Anything to talk about before we move on to our surprise, our, our surprise for everyone? Okay. Um, we're going to do something a little bit new this year. We had the trivia last year. We had remember that guy. Those will be back. They'll be around. Don't you worry. We had the wheel. The wheel will make an appearance. Um, but we're going to do something new. We're going to rip off Extra Time Radio. Extra Time Radio have their golden boot, uh, their golden boot draft. We're going to do a G plus draft. So Ben Harris and I discussed this. There's a few rules that you need to be aware of before we start. We're going to pick six players each. So we're going to go through three round snake draft. Um, and the only rule is that Messi is banned. Uh, because he just would have definitely been the first overall pick and there's too much risk there. And so no messy. But other than that, there's no, there's no restrictions on positions. It's just G plus above average. 
Uh, we did the the draft lottery, the Wembenyama sweepstakes, uh, and Harrison Crow came out on top. Um, Siri picked him as the random number generator. Uh, ben is drafting second. I am drafting third. So, gentlemen, I have a Google Sheet open in front of me to log our picks. Um, Harrison, are you ready? And would you like to announce the first overall pick in the inaugural 2024 ASAG Plus draft? Yeah, so you guys are going to laugh. You guys are going to laugh, and everyone's going to laugh, and I'm excited for everyone to laugh with me. Are you ready for the number one pick? Ben, are you ready for this? <laughs> number one pick. Not ready. at all. Andre Blake. Whoa! You're, got, you're shooting for the moon, man. You're shooting for the moon. Look. I don't know. That's risky. Hold. Okay, we can't, we can't talk about these picks for too long because we have too many picks. I know, make. I know. All I'm going to say is that I edited Jared's, Jared's uh, preview today, and he said exactly, like, their team will be sick depending on how good Andre Blake is. And what I put in was I put the wheel of 2019 Andre Blake and 2021 Andre Blake. 2019, he was minus 0.43 per 96. It was and bad. 2021, he's was so plus 0.4 per 96. Harrison, this is the most lottery ticket pick. you. <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh my God! A goalkeeper first off, though I love it. No, wow. I, I, I was, I was the, the goalkeeper girl was going to be the wild card for me in this. So I'm, I'm glad one went off the board first. That's fun. Oh <laughs> my God! Already, Ben, who who are you? Who are you up with? All right, with the second pick, I am going to pick Cucho Hernandez. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that seemed, that's, that makes sense. He takes the G plus leader from last year. Fairly self-explanatory pick. Uh with the third overall pick, and, and and then I have the fourth overall pick behind that. Uh, I'm going to take Daniel, the San Jose goalkeeper, with my... I, you know, I, I, I just couldn't Crazy. do it. I, I, wanted to take, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it, but I couldn't. <laughs> he basically has the same G-plus as Kucho. Goalkeeper shot stopping is a lot noisier. Um, but I think San Jose might be decent this year, but not decent defensively. So I think he's going to get a lot of chances there. Um, and I'll back it. Why not? Jamin and I got into it. With the fourth overall pick, um, I am going to gamble again. I really don't like this, but I have to do it. I'm going to take Christian Oliveira from LAFC. Uh, he was, he was, the, he, he was the second best player by G plus 96 over 500 minutes behind Cucho. Um, and I just think with an increased role with no Vela, it or maybe Vela or decreased Vela, uh, he's going to get a lot of usage. So that's my that's my pick. Ben, when Ben said vibes, like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so, huh? Yeah, well, that's that's my pick. Uh, ben, you are up with the fifth overall pick. All right. I'm going to keep the LA theme going and with the fourth pick, take Ricky Pooj. Oh, Damn, I, I thought it. I was getting really excited. I thought he might fall. I love it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to break your heart. Like, That's a fun one. That's I think LA are going to be really good this year. So I like, I like, I like his I new targets running around in front of him. I think he's going to pick up a lot of pass and G plus. Oh, he's, he's going to feast on G plus passing with all the fast wingers in transition. Oh, uh, Harrison, you're up. Pick six and pick seven. Who are you so, going with, my friend? So I, I really, the head wants to go with Diogo um, uh, Almada, and it just I'm scared that he's going to get transferred midway through the season. It's a I risk. Feel, like that's that's the risk, and that's why he's dropping down the board for me. Um, I'm going to take Dennis Buanga. Uh, so that that Ooh. seems like that seems like the the better safer pick for me. Um. So that's that's how I'm gonna go, and then uh, with that, I am uh, gonna go with uh, man. This is tough. Uh, I I really want to go with the striker, but I don't feel like there's enough strike. Strikers tend to get a lot more minutes than like the midfielders. So uh, I'll just go ahead and I'll go with uh, oh, Haney Mukhtar still on there. Haney Mukhtar, there we go. Alrighty, Hanny Mukhtar. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Gary Smith trades or signs somebody for him to play with. Yeah, it'd be um, great. One of these days. I think G Plus didn't like Hanny Mukhtar last year. Uh, he was just down. He was he was down a little just bit a down, compared yeah. to 
yeah, the, the last three years have been really good. So the the kind of the the way I kind of looked at this is I looked at like three years worth of data. And so, nice. uh, yeah, that's that's he was a little bit further down on my board. But yeah, he's reaching. All right, Ben, you're up. Who Who is going to be joining uh, All right. our, our friends Cucho and Ricky Pooge? Oh, it's the, the temptation is to keep going with central midfield because that's that's just who kept kept popping up on my thing. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna break the trend and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Brian White. There it is. Oh, yeah. I just gotta go with my gut on it. I think yeah, because he popped he, up in in the little model I put together. I he like doesn't what Vancouver's doing. High minutes. That's really good. Really smart move. Super durable. Super high receiving, which you don't even have to do anything good with. I think he's negative in every single other G plus category except for receiving. <laughs> Hey, we're all just added all up anyways. Exactly. Gotta wash it out. <laughs> receiving has inherent value. Um, I'm gonna take a big gamble here. And I think this guy is gonna cook because he's actually showed up for preseason this time. And that is Babello. I'm going to be taking Mr. Emmanuel Reynoso. Yeah, he was I was I was between White or him. So I like um, that. After Babello. What do I want to do? Do I want to get weird? I don't. I don't want to get weird. So I, I have, I have followed a, a real strategy of I'm taking guys who had lower minutes last year that I think are going to expand their their production out. And with the removal of one Brandon Vasquez, I think a lot of that value is going to go to one Mister Aaron Bepenza, and that is going to be my next pick with his back heel on the goal line in preseason. Aaron Bepenza, welcome to my drafted squad that's a that's a solid no that's that's probably one of my favorite picks that you've made Mm -hmm. so far yeah Mm -hmm. do we want to take stock so after three rounds do we want to take stock yeah let's go let's go through let's go through what we have it's it's a good reminder we've got so far harrison's got andre blake denny buanga and hanny mukhtar ben you've got cucho ricky pooge brian white and i've got daniel christian Oliveira, babello and bupenza left on the board by per 96, we've got Monsef Bakarov, New York City striker, came in. Anybody can gamble there. We've got Tiago Amato, the main everyone will be thinking about. Lucho Acosta, the MVP. Ache Ache, still sitting there. Ben, who is your next pick, fourth round, fourth overall, joining the fighting Benjamin Belmans? You you, got, you took your fourth pick already? I did. My yeah, fourth did. pick okay. was Stupendo. All right. I am right, going... This, see, this is my gamble. I think we're all, I think we're all picking on a, a keeper to gamble on. I think I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to go with Roman Berkey. Yeah. He did it. So we're going to, we're going to have the Berkey Daniel duel. I like them both. I'm not, I'm not taking a side on which is better, but I, I think talk, I wrote this in this preview today. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I love the pick. I love the, the betting on Mr. Berkey and Purina or Ein's dog food. I can't which one's their sponsor. Harrison, you've got the double pick. Who is joining you as player number four and five? Let's go with Lucci, man. You got you to gotta go with Lucci. He's been solid every year. So long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to continue doing the things that he does. Uh, I think that's a really safe pick. Um, less than safe? Uh Ache Ache. Uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot there. Uh, but you know what? He's so good. Uh, yeah, there was points of the te- of the season. He was the MVP, both by G plus standards and other standards. Like, I- I- I'll take him. I think you and I both picked him as our MVP at the end of last year. Yeah. Uh, which is, I love that pick. That would have been my next pick. Uh, ben, who who is up as your penultimate pick? Oh, see now, now, now it's where it gets really tough. Oh man, There's do I so want to go safe, players. or exactly, do I want to go safe, or do I want to get like really risky with it? I've got ben, a couple levels of risky. Ben, pick Moyes Bumpy though. You know you want to. <laughs> he's right there. No, man. He's right there. No, I think I don't think I don't think I can rely on that because center backs are just too bouncy. Um, but I, I love Moisey B. You know that. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna go. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little weird first and go with Bernard Camungo. I think he's gonna. I think he's got, his numbers popped. I did his wheel for the preview. I think he's. 
I like him. Oh, let's see it. Burn, Bernie K. Bernard. When I, when I, I got I, you. You guys reached in the first round, so I got some nice ones up top. I'm gonna reach at the bottom. <laughs> let's do it. Wow, I am so impressed. Well, I have some interesting decisions with my final two picks here. Because Tiago Amada has fallen so far. Right. That if I don't pick him, I think one of you will. And I think if I, if none of us pick him, I'd be shocked. But there's just such a risk he sold in the summer. But you know what? I feel like gambling. So I'm going to take Tiago Amada and run the risk. I think Atlanta are going to be pretty good this year. Yeah. So I'm going to take Almada, especially with Yakamakis playing more. So Almada is going to be the first pick I take. My next pick is tough, man. Like, there's some options here. I'm going to go with a guy that I know is going to play real minutes. He's going to play a lot. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. I could go, I could go Longwane, right? But do I want to go double? On the, uh, do I want to go double on the old Minnesota? I'd be no. with Minnesota. Not, not like, really. Doyle would, Doyle would like that. That's a Doyle, big Doyle pick. Right? That is a big Doyle pick. <laughs> Guys, I'm stuck here. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm really torn between this is horrible podcasting. I really want Gaston Brugman, but I think he's just going to get injured again because yeah. he always gets injured. So I'm going to go Benteke. I'm going to do it. Banks are receiving. Tyler Miller kicked the ball as far as he can to Menteke. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be my, my picks is Almada and Benteke. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. The draft is starting to look a little thin, a little thin. Those, those were my next two picks. Those were the next two (laughs) on my draft board. Both of them. You got both of them. All right. Those those are safe picks for the first round. Ben, who is that? Moisey B is still sitting right there. No. So now we're going to. Georgie Mihailovic. No, see, here's I can't, I can't, I can't pick a Rapids player because that's just going to be cursing them, and I'm not, I'm not willing to have that on me. So here's the thing: you made my choice easy because I was going to go, I was thinking of going safe or getting really weird, and my safe pick was Almada. So I'm going to get really weird, get and, weird and go with the name my model turned out at number two above Lionel Messi, Robbie Robinson. No, you can't. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think he actually Is doesn't he, did he get sold anymore. Oh, he doesn't. I, I was I was trying to double check that, but I could. I Hold wasn't on. Sure. I I think I, I have no idea if he is or not. I don't think Miami actually knows if he's a player. He's a, I checked his website. I checked his web their website today, and he's listed on their website today. So if I'm willing to go down with the ship, I'm willing to just lock this in. <laughs> Editor Kieran here. Um, ben was correct. Uh, Robbie Robinson does still play for Miami. Uh, he's just been injured all of preseason. We talked about this afterwards, so he's going to stick with his Robbie Robinson pick, uh, and we'll pick up the draft from where we left off. Thanks. Jesus, oh Harrison, I'm, I'm not. Take, take us home. I, I have I have Fontes. I have Fontes on here. Take, uh, I have Fontes on here. Take uh, your which, New England man, Kessler. I, I, you know He's what? Point one four, point one four. If if he gets if he gets it, man, and plus those coat hangers. Now that he has them and his his, I don't know I if anybody so, knows what I'm talking I, about. Harrison, I I was like, what is this link? And I was so confused. <laughs> Uh, he was looking. He he just Henry Kessler has just tweeted a picture of coat hangers. Been like, I was looking for some coat hangers. Uh, Harrison, who's your last pick? Take us home. Let's get out of this. Uh, so yeah, so Fontes is there. Hoang, uh, 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 is there that out there on the web? <laughs> you, Har- so, Harrison picking Huang Wan is like a is a pronunciation nightmare. Oh, it is, it is, and that's <laughs> fine. Uh, he's on my list. Uh, but I think you mentioned him earlier, and I think it's the smart move is uh, um, yeah, Bakara. So. I think Monsa I'm gonna go with Yeah. The New York City striker. I think that's an interesting one. If they hadn't bought Miotovic, I would pick him a lot earlier, but I think he's gonna play a little bit less. But we will see. We'll see. So to, to sum up the draft, Harrison's squad, he's got Andre Blake, Denny Buanga, Hani Mukhtar, 
Lucho Acosta, Ache Ache, and Monsef Bakrar. Uh, the Fighting Ben Bellmans, Cucho Hernandez, Ricky Pooge, Brian White, Roman Berkey, Bernie Camungo, and Moise Bombito. And then the Kieran Doyle's Daniel, Christian Oliveira, Babello, Aaron Vipenza, Almada, and Ben Teke. So just a reminder on the rules again, it is G plus above average uh, over the course of the season. That total, not for 96. And if your player is sold, tough cookies. Um, all right, gentlemen. Well, this is the first pot of the year. It's been a blast. Any parting words from either of you? This is no, a blast. I... Thanks for having me on, folks. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to watching this year and talking with about you, too. Yeah, it'll be fun. As always, check out the previews. People have put a lot of work into them. Uh, they've been really, really good. Uh, the NWSL ones will be uh, commencing shortly. I believe their first game is like March 14th or March 24th or something like that. So uh, those will be popping out shortly afterwards. As always, uh, if you want to support the pod and ASA in general and everything, there's no ads on the site. There's no ads for a reason. I don't like advertisements. But if you want to support the website and the pod and... Um, help keep things running on the back end and, and server costs go up and up, which is good because I mean, people are looking at the website. Uh, we have the, the Patreon. It's $5 a month. There's one tier gets you into the discord. Um, and there's a lot of really, really cool people in there talking about MLS. Sometimes I get funny notifications on my phone talking about butter in tea and, uh, or butter <laughs> in my coffee, butter and, and coffee uh, and referee strikes. And, and there's lots of really, really interesting people and conversations in there. Um, highly recommend it. So um, we'll probably post a link to that in the next couple of days once the previews are done because it's it's really helpful for us. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. The first game, Wednesday the 21st, Inter-Miami. We'll see how the old men do. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye, folks. Bye.